you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first. Okay. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you, Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this show. Cousin Shane spending time with the family. It is Easter Sunday, after all, as I record this. Happy Easter to all you folks out there. Hope you had a good one. I thought about holding off. Shane is. I know I say this quite a bit. We've already got the show topics lined up and everything for the next episode. It's going to be a good one. But over the weekend, man, there was just too much SEC action. I mean, how often do we got four spring scrimmages and a couple other SEC teams to hit on? So I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. Coming off a long weekend, getting back to work here on a Monday. Wanted to give you guys something to listen to. So let's recap some spring scrimmages. Got some comments here for a couple of these SEC coaches. Hey, but before we get to it, we're going to jump to Alabama first, right off the head here. But before we get down to Tuscaloosa, did you hear this? Old Nick Saban comparing offensive coaches to them Talibans. I just say this, all right, because I, I want to be clear here. All right, all these offensive coaches on here, and I'm sure we got a few. I wish I could look at you when I say this to you. You guys are all part of the Taliban, man. I, I mean, you're you're a part of Al Qaeda. You you have changed our game, I, and made it so hard to play defense for all of us poor defensive guys. That you know, I, I can't sit in church without shaking my leg, or you know, my hand starts shaking because I'm worried about what you guys are going to do next. So I do respect you, but I, I still think you're part of the Taliban. <laughs> How great is that? So obviously he's kidding around there. Not a fan of the offensive influence in college football. I thought uh, maybe the best response to this, if you missed it, Lane Kiffin retweeted this clip and said, well, hell, Sark's running the same thing I'm running, so you're part of the problem, brother. So, <laughs> Of course, Lane Kiffin's going to, I don't know, he's just joking around. He's not taking a dig at Saban. But anytime he can sink his teeth into the, his dad, 
you know he's gonna do it. But speaking of Alabama, let's start right there. Let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where them Crimson Tide got off to the first the first scrimmage of the spring. And from what they're saying down there, Bryce Young looks the part. Now, there's a little caveat with that. You know, I've heard some rumblings here that uh, Bryce Young may be not the shoe-in to be the starter. I'm not buying that at all. And we got a pretty good guest coming up here in the middle of the week. I'll, he'll be able to provide some extra insight into that, so stay tuned for that. But from what I understand, Bryce Young looked the part playing against the second-team defense, running with the first-team offense. So you got to assume you know, advantage there to Alabama's first-team offense. Uh, but let's start here with Nick Saban kind of recapping this thing and uh, how the first scrimmage looked in his mind. Um, I was, for a first scrimmage, um, I was sort of pleased with the intensity out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of good hitting. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of good things to teach from. Uh, we got a lot of young guys playing a lot of positions. Uh, so... I'm sure this first experience out there uh, is going to help them be able to sort of do exactly what I said, you know, find out where they are, what they have to do, what they need to learn, and how they can go out there and play with more confidence because they have a better understanding of what to do, how to do it, why it's important to do it that way. So uh, for a first scrimmage, we're pretty pleased with it. You know, I thought Bryce, you know, did a pretty good job of managing the game and um, was per- accurate with the ball and did a nice job, made made a few explosive plays, but uh, I thought really did a good job of managing, you know, the, the whole situation on offense when he was in there. Uh, I think we got a lot of improvement to do, you know, especially with the twos on offense. We got a lot of young guys playing in the offensive line uh, with Emil out and, um, you know, Evan Neal is the only starter coming back. Uh, so, but, you, you know, I, I see a lot of good um, potential uh, that we need to work on and improve and you know we put a lot of stuff in probably for you know the first four or five days and that's a lot for a young player to digest so when we eliminate the mental errors I think we'll see a lot more consistent execution out there on both sides of the ball you know the one defense you know played fairly well but you know it's hard to tell you know how much you're challenged Um, you know sometimes when you have a scrimmage so you know, I'm sure we have a lot of things that we can improve on. You know, it's certainly our goal uh, to get better on third down, to play better in the red zone. You know, some of those things we still need to make improvement on defensively. All right, so leading up to this thing, Nick Saban kind of hit at the fact that we got a lot of guys, a lot of young guys in particular on this offensive side of the ball, really looking forward to seeing how they look without the coaches standing next to them, telling them what to do. And based on his response, he was asked about the receivers. We'll get to the offensive line here in a moment. Didn't really want to praise any of the receivers individually. Said he had to look back at the film. I don't know if you got to read between the lines there. And that is something that uh, Saban hit on during one of our recent podcasts. These receivers may not stack up to the ones he's had. Now, is that just him trying to motivate a young group? I think it is because, hell, we can look at the recruiting rankings. All these guys match up with the guys they've had in recent years. Now they've got to prove it. And recruiting only matters so much. It's all about the production on the field. So Bryce is looking the part. Got this offensive line starting to come together a little bit here. But Coach Saban says that unit swimming a little bit, replacing a lot of the linemen from this unit, the Joe Moore Award unit, 
going on to the NFL. Nick Saban says uh, this position group, remember they're not only a new offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, but a new offensive line coach, Doug Marone. Offensive line swimming a little bit at the moment. Anytime you're replacing a quarterback, no matter who it is, and, and have a new quarterback coming in, are there, are there things, especially in a first scrimmage or an early scrimmage, that you as a coach look for, not so much the, the plays or the throws, but in terms of leadership, huddle presence, so forth? Are, are you watching for those things? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question about the fact that you know, there's there's you know a technical aspect to playing your position, to being accurate with the ball, um, throwing it to the right guy, uh, throwing it on time. You know, all those things are important. Uh, but but your presence uh, out there, uh, especially at the quarterback position, is certainly something that can affect the people around you. And quarterbacks are really difficult position to play if the people around you don't play very well. Uh, so I think it is really really important that. You know, we develop those things. Now, you know, everybody's got a different personality, so I'm not sure I can sit down and tell a guy exactly how to do that. Um, but a guy needs to know that's really, really important for him to develop that uh, in this spring as, it w as well as every other technical aspect of his position. Hey, Coach, you uh, talked about the offensive line and the injuries there. So just what are you looking for from that group, and what do you see from them today? Well, I think we've got a long way to go. Uh, we've got a lot of young guys. I think they've got a lot of ability. Uh, I think they're head swimming probably a little bit right now with uh, all the different things that they have to learn on offense. But you're also, you know, seeing probably a lot more things than you're used to seeing uh, out of the defense. So, um, you know, that creates a lot of multiples, you know, for a young guys. So, uh, we just want to get those guys to where they have confidence in what the, what what they uh, need to do to be able to have to be able to go out there and execute and do their job on a consistent basis. And um, we're not there yet, uh, and we're making progress. And I think that every one of those guys will see what they need to improve on, and we'll go to work on it um, on Monday. All right. So there you got it from Coach. Now is this a product of Alabama's defense? The continuity on that side of the ball, winning the day, they've pretty loaded defensive line too. They've have had guys banged up in recent years and maybe with a, a full tandem of defensive linemen and going up against this new offensive line. So that's something to consider. And the good news for Alabama held if the offensive line swimming, constructive criticism, no doubt. Plenty of time to get this group together for uh, Doug Marone, Bill O'Brien and all that. I've got very little concerns here. And the fact that uh, Alabama right out the gate gets Miami, which could be a tough, tough defense. They're saying down there that's going to be the strength of that team of the Hurricanes, the defense. So this is uh, something they're going to have to get right before the season, obviously, right out the gate. No cupcakes, although Miami may be a little bit of a cupcake here compared to Alabama. But you know what I mean? Power five opponent, neutral site. I'm sure there's going to be more Alabama fans than Miami fans there in Atlanta. But just something to consider. If we got the right quarterback, and we maybe don't have the receivers, and now we got issues at offensive line. Just something. Maybe I'm just here. I'm trying to give the rest of the SEC some hope that maybe this ain't Alabama's year. But of course, you can never sell the tide short. I've tried to do that and just come back to bite. All right, next team. Uh, let's jump on down to Athens. Bulldogs, sick them. <laughs> the Bulldogs held their first scrimmage of the spring. 
And what's Kirby Smart liking from this one? The energy and enthusiasm. He saw a lot of positive energy out there. Guys celebrating big plays. Let's kick it over real quick to Kirby Smart talking about uh, the thing he liked the most from the first scrimmage of the fall. Hey, Kirby. Uh, any other major takeaways from, from this scrimmage? Yeah, the only thing I've taken away from the scrimmage, I was pleased with the energy. You know, we made some arrows. A lot of guys, I mean, 16 mid-years out there, they were they were uh, a little nervous. You know, there was some anxiety there. But I thought the energy was good uh, on both sides of the ball, meaning when somebody made a play, there was enthusiasm. Uh, there was more connection out there. Um, not guys going through the motions, which can happen sometimes in the spring. That wasn't the case today. I thought there was positive energy towards – people making plays, which is important to me right now. And in terms of getting things done, I think we're, what do we got? I think it was practice maybe nine. I think we got six left. So um, we're not, we're not, we're not where we need to be yet. All right. So not a ton of detail there from Kirby as expected. First scrimmage, you know, what's a guy really going to say? He's not going to make any bold proclamations one scrimmage into camp, but at least he likes the direction of, uh, you know, the team chemistry and all that. I mean, hell, that's what, the offseason's all about anyway, getting a new group. Every year is a new team, obviously, with the guys you got going off to the NFL, bringing in new guys. Georgia's got a ton of early enrollees on campus. Ball's rolling here in Athens. But the one position group that I'd say is the biggest concern here, the defensive backs, it's something been hitting that all offseason. How's that group looking? And Kirby was uh, you know, quick to point out, don't forget about uh, Kaylee Ringo. Didn't play last season, but one of the more touted defensive backs in the 2020 recruiting class. Don't forget, he we got him on the roster. I guess you start off, uh, how much did you kind of catch yourself taking an extra glance at how the young uh, secondary guys were doing and kind of what was your take today? Um, you know, we get to watch those. I get to see those young secondary guys every day. So I feel like uh, today was no different. We got to challenge them in terms of uh, the coverage situations we put them in. Uh, a lot of them, it was their first real live action, you know, with LC out there playing some corner and Nylon and Keeley. I mean, just a lot of young guys. They haven't played a lot of um, college football. They played a lot of football, and they're good football players. But uh, we're a long way from being ready in terms of uh, what we need to do in the secondary because we just got a lot of inexperienced players. We, we cannot have enough um, of those situations, scrimmage, passing, all the different looks we get because we need the experience. Kirby, with the, the cornerbacks, are you throwing guys like uh, Green and Ringo out there and just seeing what they can do just as much as you can? Well, I mean, everybody gets reps, right? All the corners we have working. I think we've got six corners or something uh, working. So, all, I mean, we, we, don't have, we don't have any corners that have experience. So, I look at it as all of them are, are getting reps and um, all of them are getting better. And the good thing is we get to challenge them in uh, – uh, passing situations and you know you can have a corner play a whole game and him not be involved in a play if everything goes away or the run they stop the run and you know one play may affect you out of 60 well we try to make more plays than that uh, attack those guys so that we get to play one-on-one in the perimeter which is the hardest thing to do probably in all of college football is covering people one-on-one on the perimeter and that's what the corners have to do so we're getting all those guys lots of reps Kirby, uh, I wanted to ask you about Jalen Kimber. I know we hear a lot about Keeley. Um, he's obviously a highly rated guy that's done well. H- how's Kimber coming along, and can you give us some insight into what he did today? 
Uh, Kimber's very bright. You know, he was able to practice all last year, which, you know, the practice you get from the year before, people just forget about. Like you mentioned Keeley, and Keeley hasn't practiced. So he really hasn't done anything in terms of uh, earning the reputation that he came in with. He's in the process of doing that. He's trying to do that through working hard and learning, and he stayed really engaged. But Jalen Kimber was able to go out and actually take reps and work last year, which – you know, it gives you an advantage because you've seen things, you've heard calls, and you have to adjust. The biggest thing with Jalen is continuing to work really hard with the nutrition and weight room uh, to keep adding size, and he's conscious of that. He understands uh, what he has to do to be a, a great player, and he's committed to doing that. You know, Kirby's not too overly thrilled, and why would he be? I mean, I think this is probably a function of the receivers and the passing game there at Georgia, firing at all cylinders, even with they got more injuries and George Pickens out to start the season, maybe for the season. But I wonder, and I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking this, I wonder if any of this is a recruiting tool, something we've not hit on here. West Virginia defensive back, Tyke Smith, who they're battling out right now with Auburn, from what I'm hearing. West Virginia already had a defensive back leave the school, Drayshawn Miller, there was a lot of speculation Georgia was in on him. He went to Auburn, go play for Derek Mason and Brian Harson, And now there's this battle going on for Smith, who, from what I understand, hell, I don't know much about West Virginia football. I'm not going to bullshit you guys. But from what I understand, Smith's the better one of All-American, one of the best players in the Big 12 last season is Tyke Smith. So, hey, I'm not saying this is a recruiting tool, but – Possibly Georgia's in on them, Auburn, a couple of others. So something to think about. Kirby's always recruiting. And I know if I was, uh, there's an All-American out there looking at my team, I'd kind of be saying some similar things down there. So just something to keep on the back of, you, back of your mind. You know, Since we didn't get to see the scrimmage, it'd be interesting to know how accurate this information is. I'm not saying Kirby's uh, fibbing here, but... I don't know. Might be doing a little bit of crimping down there. <laughs> but hey, after this, uh, Kirby was pretty fired up in this presser. He did not appreciate us in the media and Bulldog fans freaking out because Jermaine Burton went down. Arian Smith went down. Neither one that bad. Kirby's pretty heated. It's not often you get Kirby smart fired up in the spring. Let's kick it over to Kirby. Uh, Kirby, uh, Kind of the buzz out of the uh, out of the scrimmages. Arian Smith may have gone down with an injury. Can you update us on that? And 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 Jermaine Burton as well. Kind of um, what what those guys are looking like. Yeah, right I'm. You know, you you guys got to do your job, but y'all certainly overreact to a lot of things. I was really disappointed at the way everything was handled. Uh, Jermaine Burton is fine. He has no structural damage. He was out there today doing exercises, doing conditioning, doing different things. Uh, Jermaine Burton is going to be fine. And um, for anybody to report the length of time he's going to be out, that's really unfair because if our doctor and our team doctors don't know that, I don't know how anybody else would because they would have seen the MRI, they would have seen the x-rays, and there's nobody else that has seen that. So it's unfair to put misinformation out there for sure. Um, and then with Arian today, he sprained his wrist and he should be fine. So, I mean... I don't know if he'll be back Monday. I don't know that. We're still doing the x-rays, but I know he sprained his wrist. So let's, let's, let's don't have a lot of overreaction, if you don't mind. And, hey, you ask me, I tell you, Jermaine hyperextended his knee. He's day-to-day. 
that's what it is. It's not anything past that, but I don't think that we should sensationalize the other things because it's, it's all part of football. I mean, we had other guys get injured today and you know, it's, it's a lot bigger deal when everybody writes about, Oh, a receiver and other receivers hurt receivers are going to be fine. Well, Kirby wants us to calm down, pump the brakes. Good luck, brother. <laughs> that's what comes man with being in the sec and having a team that uh, everyone's going to be picking to win the East. I in that college football playoff, I in the national championship. You're going to have three players dinged up no matter how serious. And obviously George Pickens is serious. These other two, not at all. You, <laughs> there's no not a chance at hell you're going to get us not to freak out when we hear the guys are dropping. So just thankful that uh, none of those guys, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, hurt severely. That's the good news. And that's going to keep that momentum rolling in Athens. And one more clip from Kirby. You want a proof that he was fired up? He was asked about the backup quarterbacks. This, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's got any issue with this report. I don't, not to my knowledge he does, but uh, he was not wanting to get into the backup quarterbacks either. Kirby, uh, what's the competition like at quarterback behind JT? Is Stetson clearly the number two, or, or how much are Carson and Brock pushing him? What's their progress? All three of those guys are getting reps, and all three of them are going to be really good players. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, yeah, all three of them are getting reps, and all three of them are going to be really good players. They continue to work hard. They all got reps today. Um, I think uh, each one has a different strength, uh, and each one has a different weakness. You know, I mean, for each one, they're growing. You know, Brock has the least amount of uh, reps and, I guess, familiarity with the offense. So his learning curve is greater, um, but he's also picking it up quick, especially for a mid-year freshman. Um, Stetson uh, does a good job in the pocket. He moves. He's athletic. Uh, he understands the offense. He can he can do things with his brain that he's taking a lot of reps. And then Carson's done a good job uh, uh, this spring. Whoa, maybe Kirby is telling the truth about these defensive backs because he was pretty agitated in this one. So I just thought that was great. I mean, he must have something must have happened in this scrimmage that pissed him off because he certainly was not happy in this one. And uh, hey, I love to see it. He's passionate. He's I don't want to say he's feeling the heat here, but uh, I think he maybe – I wonder if any of these Bulldogs reading their press clippings. I wonder if that's could be possibly what's going on down there. But Kirby was fired up on this one, and <laughs> I'd love to know why. All right, next let's uh, kick it on down to Mississippi State. <laughs> coughing Mike Leach. My goodness. I swear this is uh, the most coughing. This man coughs during every press conference, but he was hacking up something vicious after the Mississippi State's first scrimmage of spring camp. Uh, let's kick it over to Coach real quick, who recapped what he liked from Mississippi State's first scrimmage. Well, Coach, can you just give us a general overview of what you thought you saw at the scrimmage today? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I thought for a first scrimmage it was good um, <clears throat> for a number of reasons. <clears throat> One, I thought we had, you know, we went out and generally executed, and yeah, it was sloppy at places. Uh, both sides have uh, plenty to be happy with. Both sides have plenty to be pissed about, which is typically the sign of <clears throat> of a good scrimmage. Um, then also, uh, we were able to line up with threes, and it actually looked like football. So uh, I was pleased with that <clears throat> just from a potential depth uh, standpoint. <laughs> what a way to describe it, how huh? both sides have things to be pissed about. And that's what you're going to get, man, when you got a scrimmage because 
you know, if one side's doing well, the other side's not doing so well, they're on the same team. So this is why it's, sometimes it's hard to gauge how good these scrimmages are. I can't tell you how many times, countless times, I've heard, well, my God, one side of the ball, maybe the, let's say the defense can't stop, can't stop the run. We're going to have real issues come the fall. And then it turns out the offense, well, hell, they're just the nation's best rushing team. So, of course, you couldn't stop them. Or vice versa, can't run on the ball. Well, hell, we got the best defense in the nation. No one can run on these guys. So you got to be hesitant about what you're learning in these scrimmages because you're going up against one another. But I thought that was uh, an interesting comment there. But one other thing that really stood out from Leach's press conference here following the first spring. You know, it was in fall camp. I was saying, watch out for this guy, Will Rogers. If you remember, top impact freshman. I put Will Rogers... I had him in my top 25. I believe I had him in my top 10 because I knew how well he fit that system. I thought he would thrive in it. It certainly sounds like that you know, is only going to continue into year two. And I'm not saying he needs to any danger of him losing his uh, position here as a starting quarterback. But hell, Leach was kind of glowing about this uh, freshman, Daniel Greek, having a good debut there with the Bulldogs. And then... I love these comments on the running backs. Everyone talks poorly to Mike Leach and then how he utilizes running backs, never run the ball. Well, there's a lot more to playing running back than running the ball. Non-Bulldog fans may not be familiar with these guys. Dylan Johnson, Jaquavian Marks, both freshmen last season. They combined to catch 96 passes. 96 from the running back position. Both these guys averaged over 4.4 yards a carry. Mississippi State may have uh, one of the more underrated running back tandems in the SEC, both sophomores. Mike Leach doesn't sound like he could be any happier with his two sophomore running backs. Uh, Coach, you got to look at, I believe, four different quarterbacks today. What did you think you were taking callers out there, especially Daniel Greek getting the first look there as a freshman? I thought he looked really good. I thought uh, I would say that was uh, kind of uh, – one of the more impressive uh, freshman debut performances I've seen. I thought I thought he played really well. Played smart, you know. A lot of times those guys, <clears throat> you know, they'll try to make too much happen, or um, you know, then all of a sudden, uh, just because they're anxious, you know, the uh, what's in their head goes out the window. And then, uh, but I didn't think he did. I thought I thought he played within himself and just very methodical, meticulous going down the field and. Uh, Actually had a couple checks, too, that I thought were good. Mike, when you watch Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson play and things, are you kind of wanting the same things out of both of those guys? Or I guess just how do you evaluate them and their their different skill sets? And is there something that you want one guy to do that the other can? Or is it all just kind of general, you know, you, you want them both doing the same thing? Well, you want the best available. I mean, because that's the ultimate warrior position. I mean – because uh, they run block, they pass protect, they rush the ball, they catch the ball. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, you're wanting them uh, uh, to be able to do a lot of things, and both of those guys can. And I think both of them have improved. I thought, uh, uh, you know, Dylan runs with, uh, uh, you know, power and second effort and that type of thing when he finishes his, his runs. And so I think that's good to see. Uh, and then Woody's kind of elusive and um, uh, catches the ball really well. You know, very smooth when he catches the ball. All right, so there you have it from Leach. And at the 
tail end of his presser, he was asked about defense. I don't know why. <laughs> he spiels on and on about the offense. We all know, we all understand why, but then he's asked a defensive question. He said they looked pretty solid, but if they looked great. You know, he'd be pretty fired up in this thing because he's calling the shots on offense. This is his system. His players starting to trickle in, and both Johnson and Marks and Greek, I mean, three guys he just shouted out there, all players that he signed. Man, Mississippi State, again, quietly. And it sounds like things trending in the right direction here in Starkville. And, man, I can't – I just can't wait. I'm telling you guys, the SEC West – I don't think there's going to be a single game that uh, anyone's chalking up as an easy win in the SEC West this year. I just think it's going to be nothing but landmines for, hell, even if Alabama – what happens if the offensive line and the receivers don't develop or Bryce Young is not what he's cracked up to be, which is – I'm not saying it's going to be that case, but that wouldn't be the first time we've heard of a touted quarterback that didn't do shit. And hell, remember before even Jalen Hurts, Alabama, believe it or not, they were recruiting studs at quarterback, couldn't get anything from David Cornwell ring a ring a bell. Blake Bart Barnett was his name. I mean, <laughs> I realize things have changed there in Alabama, but let's not act like every quarterback they brought in has uh, been an All-American and future NFL player. All right, next on the docket, let's jump it on down to Fayetteville. Woo-pig! Them Razorbacks also had a spring scrimmage. This one, they opened it up for the second time this spring. Love the fact that Pittman's opening this thing up. And who's the standout here? It certainly sounds like the quarterbacks are struggling down there right now. And the defensive backs really stepping up their game. And he gave a particular shout-out here to... Simeon Blair, guy I'm not even really that familiar with, but sounds like he was maybe the best player from the scrimmage here. Hey, Coach, several of your your top DBs made some pretty good plays today. Busted had a PBU, Catalan had a PBU. I think Blair had one and a pick. What did you just think of some of the activity of the guys in your secondary? They've been playing well in practice as well. You know, anytime you can take what you do an individual and you can do it as well or better in a team setting, then to me, that's when you become a good player. A lot of guys look good over an individual and this, that, and the other, blocking bags, breaking on air, all these type things. But what those guys have done, they, they're they able to take what they're doing an individual each day, and you guys see them out there. Trey, I'm looking at you. You see them do that every single day, and, and uh, uh, they're starting to do that in a game setting, in a team setting. And anytime you can do that, you've turned – turned yourself into a fine football player, and the secondary is doing that right now. You know, you, Blair was a guy that you kind of spoke highly of, you know, before the spring. What, what kind of growth have you seen in him, you know, just since you've been here? A lot of confidence. I mean, he's got a lot of confidence. He's a guy that, you know, he's always been a guy that can that will hit you. If you look back in last season, really came firing out of the gates early, early last season. You know, uh, had really a great game against Mississippi State, and, and uh, played well early and then kind of uh, tapered off a little bit during the middle and then came back a little bit towards the end. And we just talked to him about, hey, we, I want that guy and a better guy. Um, uh, you, you know, when we played uh, LSU, I believe it was in the second half when we lost Catalan, uh, we lost. Uh, we lost a lot of um, uh, leadership in the secondary. And we needed Blair to step up and be one of those guys. And he certainly has. So I've been really pleased with him. He's a really physical guy. I love the kid. All right. So no surprise. 
Barry Odom's defense coming on strong going into year two, just a little bit deeper. They're going to be a deeper unit. They'll be a more talented unit. And again, I mean, the guys like Hudson Clark, I had no idea who the hell that was this time last year. Maybe Simeon Blair's the next one. We get we keep finding these gems all of a sudden. That's how Arkansas is going to take that big step this year. And it's not like they're they don't have studs out there to build around, but you need the supporting cast. You need the developing players. You need the added depth. And that's just something they didn't have last season. And that's why when injuries started to mount or COVID issues arrived, they kind of wilted down the stretch outside of that Tennessee game. I mean, they lost every game since October 31st, with the exception of Tennessee. That's going to change this year. If we've got more players stepping up. So, but of course, it's a quarterback driven game. We all know that. And accuracy is an issue. Got a, uh, we had a 75-yard touchdown come off the board to Mike Woods. Interesting stat I dug up after watching this play. The 75-yard touchdown got called back. Mike Woods averaged 19.3 yards per catch last season. That's the highest average of all returning receivers in the SEC this year. So, I mean, hell, the guy developed into an elite deep threat here. Arkansas's receiving core is just absolutely loaded this year. That's a big part of the reason why I've been hyping up K.J. Jefferson I know it doesn't sound like he had a great day here, but I still think highly of him. This, these are the growing pains, and hell, you'd rather have these struggles in the spring and the fall. So uh, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman, who talks about these issues. And, and hell, when he was at, he was later asked about the running backs, brought it back to the quarterbacks again, which kind of gives you an indication of just how disappointed he was in the team's quarterbacks. On the going back, kind of what you talked about at first about the mistakes, but you had a 75-yard touchdown call back because of an ineligible receiver downfield, and then there was an it wasn't a touchdown, but you had another ineligible receiver later. What was happening on that? And also, can you comment on Lucas Cole? He just it seemed like he improved quite a bit from the last scrimmage. Yeah, I think he I think he did, Oates. I think he improved um, from last week. He's getting a little bit more confident. Um, you know, overall, the accuracy of our quarterbacks isn't very good at all right now. And we, we certainly have to be able to throw and catch it. But uh, I thought he did – he got better. You know, the, the, the old lineman downfield, you know, a lot of our plays are for the line or runs. It uh, seemed like we were holding. Usually you'll see a, a mash, a read, a throw. And uh, therefore your linemen don't really get downfield past the three-yard mark. Today it was a read, a mash – a weight, a throw. And uh, basically that's going to happen with inexperienced quarterbacks. It's going to take them a little bit longer than what maybe Felipe would have had uh, on his reads and getting the ball out of his hands. There's really nothing you can do as a lineman. Uh, you don't know whether he hand the ball off or not uh, in our offense. So some of those were very unfortunate. Hey, Coach. Uh, so K.J. Jefferson, big shoes, obviously, to fill uh, with Felipe gone. What do you think about K.J. just – not, not even in terms of just his playing today, but body language, communication. How do you think KJ looked overall? I think he's doing a better job with all that, you know, with communication. Uh, we just got to play catch, you know, and uh, we're not doing it right now. And uh, they can because I see them every day at practice and they can. It's just uh, that's why you got to get under the lights a little bit more and put a little bit more pressure on them and see 
you know, help them rise to the top. But uh, uh, our accuracy is just not there right now. And it, and that all I know how to do is just practice it. And we've got good quarterback coach. We've got good quarterbacks, but seem to me like our touch and our accuracy is off right now. We've got, we've got to get, we got to get better. And the great thing is we have really good kids that work hard. So they'll, I'm not concerned about it. I just I, I thought we'd be maybe a little bit further ahead than what we are right now. All right, so Coach wasn't happy. Need to see this cleaned up here in Kendall Brown's system, but hey, they'll get there. They'll get there. Uh, I really have a lot of confidence given everything that we've seen from Kendall Bryles in his career and coaching up these quarterbacks. I think it's going to be just fine there. And, hell, he even said Lucas Coley is taking some big strides. So it's almost like we have a three-man race, but I, I think really what that is is He's just telling KJ Jefferson, Malik Hornsby, you know, get your shit together because we've got a guy, we got guys ready to step up in case you can't get it done. Our last thing on the Razorbacks here. I really like the hire of Scott Fountain, special teams coordinator. Been around the SEC a long time, been all across the conference coaching special teams, but you know, make no mistake, last season special teams was a disaster for Arkansas, it was the weakest unit of the football team. But it was, I'd say it's still an improvement over the Chad Morris era. I mean, my God, all the issues there. But spending extra time this spring. Remember, hell, this is the first spring this coaching staff has had. So uh, it makes sense. They're going to be spending added time to get this unit corrected. That's something Sam Pittman kind of hit on here. Coach, I was curious about the the amount of work that you guys have done on special teams. Is that different this year I, I, just from my experience it seems like you work on punt team in the spring and then move on is it just because you have so many players back and a bunch of freshmen enrolled or all your kickers are here or or what what, what what's the reasoning well we weren't very good on it you know Trey One. and so that's the reason that we're working on it like crazy because um we don't want it, we we want it to be a positive and not a negative so we're trying to find out. We're trying to find our top eleven, and that's how why you're seeing so many reps on on so many things because we're making the emphasis that we weren't very good on special teams last year, and we need to become good. So that's the reason. All right, I know special teams talk kind of boring, but hell, it's like I said. I mean, this unit was a uh, nothing but a disaster much of the year. So I like to see that this, these are the areas Arkansas's got to get cleaned up. They're going to take that next step in the SEC. All right, let's kick it on down to Nashville real quick. Take it down. I managed to get a question here in on uh, Clark Lee, new Vanderbilt coach. And, you know, this is something that I've been wondering about how aggressive head coach for Vanderbilt is because we don't know anything about his decision-making on game days outside of the defensive side of the ball. Never been a head coach. And if you're a longtime listener to this show, you've heard me mention, you know, when you're going up against an Alabama, I use them as an example because I thought Lane Kiffin played it perfectly. And I said it even before the Ole Miss-Alabama game. But, you know, if you're one of these teams, I don't want to call them a lesser team, but in reality, I mean, I'm just calling it like it is. If you don't have the talent, you've got to make up for that with aggressive play calling. Obviously, you got to win the turnover battle. you got to win third down. you got to, But at the time, you know, trick plays – you got to go for it on fourth down. You got to not settle for field goals when you're playing an elite team like Alabama. And I, why am I talking about Alabama? I know this is Vanderbilt talk here. But the state of the roster in Nashville, it's almost like you got to adopt that mindset 
every SEC game. No disrespect to Vanderbilt, but, you know, there's a massive gap between your roster and everybody in the SEC at this point. So when Vanderbilt plays South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, on and on and on, it's almost like you got to adopt that same game plan in my mind. Now, you don't just go balls to the wall crazy because you could probably cost yourself a game or two here too, but, you know, playing defensive, special teams, field position, you do that at Vanderbilt, and you're probably going to go win this in the conference again. I mean, we you've got to push the envelope a little bit. So I wanted to ask Coach Lee his thoughts on analytics and, you know, decision-making. He's never been in this seat, things of that nature, and I thought he gave a pretty insightful answer. I think you guys will appreciate this one. I've been paying attention to a lot of your press conferences, a lot of uh, your radio, radio interviews and whatnot. You seem like a really measured guy, put a lot of thought into a lot of the decisions you're making. And obviously heading into your first time as a head coach coming into the fall, have you given any consideration into, you know, this could be the first time where you're going to be the guy on the sidelines with making the final calls, whether it's fourth and short, do we go for it? Do we kick a field goal? Do we go for two late in the game? Uh, how are you preparing to handle those situations? And I mean, do you got anyone that's maybe running analytics that's going to help you on game day? Have you given any thought to that? I'm just, I'm curious what your, basically your perspective on analytics, if you want to call it that. That That's a, um, I mean, that's a great question and I appreciate it. I, you know, absolutely the, you know, I mean, look, being a defensive coordinator in college football anymore is a really, it's a complicated task. I mean, that there's, there's a lot and there's a lot, there's constant pressure, constant pressure. And you're constantly reacting to uh, elements within the game that change, you know, a call change of personnel grouping uh, force you to adjust. Um, but the spotlight burns a little brighter now in the seat that I'm in. And um, that's something that I, I won't know completely what that that's like until I've lived it, but I'm anticipating it and preparing myself accordingly. Um, I, I will make mistakes um, just like everyone does, you know, but the sooner I adjust and adapt to that role, um, the, the more impactful our program can be. Um, you know, analytics have, have become a part of our game and that's something I'm interested in putting our team in the best position to win. So we will be um, engaged in that and that'll inform us, right? But I still need to make the final call and you know some of it i mean you can plan for some of that and anticipate some of it and as i'm getting to know our offensive and defensive systems in the spring i'm kind of i'm kind of getting a a sense for what that plan to win is you know what it is that we need how we need to be designed on both sides of the ball to give our team the best chance to win games uh, but i i think you you also need to give room for that personality to develop through the summer and into the fall and so, um, and even through the season, and I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'm being a little long-winded, is just um, my ability to adapt and evolve within the season, within the moment, and to have some instinct that I can lean on with respect to what this team needs, what the situation needs, you know, um, when to be aggressive, you know, when to when to choose to punt the ball, those kind of things. That those are those are um, aspects of being a head coach that. I am, you know, daily um, spending time on, focused on, learning about, um, and and some of them obviously I've carried over from being a defensive coordinator. It's not like you 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 fill a role and you just put blinders up to everything else going on. I mean, we, 
you know, we, we're, we're pretty in tune to everything that, that happens within a game, um, even if it's not directly under my responsibility. So, I mean, I've, I've gotten to observe some really good head coaches um, on game day, Dave Kloss and Brian Kelly that, you know, have, um, that have, that have shown me also what, what that looks like. So. All right. So, you know, not a totally clear answer on that, but how could he give one? Because he's never been there on a game day, but Hey, he's open to the fact that this is going to be new to him, but I like the fact that he's thinking about it. And he mentioned, I know Dave Clawson was a disaster as Tennessee's offensive coordinator, but if you've been following that Wake Forest program, I mean, they've been very successful under Dave Clawson. And we all know, you know, Shane loves to poke fun at Notre Dame, don't we all? <laughs> but hell, Brian Kelly's got a hell of a track record. He's one of the better coaches in the country, getting, you know, an average roster of the college football playoff multiple times under his tutelage in, in BCS championship game. So, you know, that guy's a hell of a coach. So let's hope that Clark Lee's picked up on some things from those guys and really, you know, just be aggressive, push that envelope. I know you got to, you got to wait and see what your team's made of. If they're just got off on offense, it doesn't make, it wouldn't make any sense to be going for it all the time, but we know what we got in Ken Seals. We know we've got a great passer. Cam Jones is a really good receiver. Uh, the running back transferred out, unfortunately, but hell, uh, I think it was, Adam Sparks tweeting about uh, one of the running backs there busted out about four 20-yard plays in a recent practice or scrimmage. So they've got some running back talent. They're going to have talent on offense this season. We've got to be a little bit more aggressive, in my opinion, if we're going to steal a game here or there, and we'll find out if Clark Lee's got that in him. All right, last team here. Let's jump it all down to Rocky Top. Josh Heupel met with the media on Friday, I believe this was, and uh, recapping the first five practices there on Rocky Top as the new head coach. And this is what I've you know, been trying to caution people. I know all the other SEC teams, man, they love poking fun at Tennessee. <laughs> it's like making fun of the redheaded stepchild on the playground. You know what I mean? But guess what? Tennessee's got some talent. My man Jake Wimberly came on here. Put the over-under at 7.5, higher than Ole Miss. People were stunned by that. Stunned. I don't think it's that stunning. And it's like I said, man, they've got they've got some talent to work with, particularly these receivers, man. Not seen it because of the system we were running last year at Tennessee, because of the quarterback we had at Tennessee. That's all changed. We're now running an offense that these receivers call a receiver's dream. So let's kick it over to Josh Heupel talking about uh, a couple of receivers that are standing out here and on why the receivers love playing in this offense. Josh realized that playing the wide receiver position is more than just being fast, but who are some of the guys that you've been able to identify early on as being really speed guys and explosive guys that I'm sure you covered in this offense? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to develop and grow depth out there. Um, Tillman's done a fantastic job of just being really purposeful in his work habits on the practice field. He's playing faster as he getting as he's getting more comfortable day one to day five. Uh, Bayless has done a, a tremendous job. Um, uh, he's a really strong competitor, brings a, a great amount of leadership to, to that wide receiver group every day in the meeting rooms. And then that's transitioned onto the practice field as well. Uh, Jimmy Callaway's uh, having a, a good spring, a good start here. A, a guy that's learning how to to play with the technique and, and what we're asking him to do, uh, getting better every day. 
um, but has the ability to, to extend the field and, and really make some plays down the field. And uh, um, I would never use the word satisfied or, or completely happy with, with everything that's going on at any position when you're five days in the spring ball. But I like the purpose that those guys are practicing with. They're starting to gain uh, trust in what we're doing and starting to play with a lot better technique, which will give them the ability to go win down the football field. They've created some big plays in the passing game. Josh, we've spoken to both Bayless and Cedric, and, and they said that this offense is a wide receiver's dream. Um, what is it about that position that is dreamlike? And have you heard that ever since your UCF and Oklahoma days, just receivers and how much they enjoy being in this offense and why? I think, I think um, you know, for us, the ability to play with Temple, for those guys to be put in a position – uh, we're we're going to try to find ways to isolate them, put them in a one-on-one -on -one position, and then give them the tools to, to go win. I think at the end of the day, that's what, as a wideout, you're you're looking for. Uh, the tempo we play, the number of snaps that we get, number of ball-in-hand opportunities uh, that our skilled players have, I, I think you put all of that together, plus the energy uh, with which we play on game day, but uh, even on the practice field, I think it is uh, a really unique offense. Uh, for skilled players and wide receivers uh, to, to play in. It's something that they absolutely uh, flourish in. All right, so Hypel hyping up Belus Jones Jr., who tail end of last season, the, the light came on, man. He was game-breaking player for Tennessee. I know Tennessee was dreadful down the stretch, but Belus Jones Jr. was making plays. Jimmy Callaway is a guy I've been waiting to break out. Mentioned him with uh, Cody Burns teaching the former high school quarterback the ropes. And then Cedric Tillman, you know, that's an interesting one. Heard some good things about him in previous camps, and it's never materialized. But, you know, think about some of the other guys we got to work with here at Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt, we all know, you know, he's a game-breaker. True freshman, he was really good last year. The few times they gave him the ball, they're going to throw it to him all the time in this offense. Jimmy Holiday, down there, people in Mississippi, Jake Wimberley have asked him about Jimmy Holiday. Raves about the guy. He's a game-breaker. Malachi Weidman. Ramel Keaton, I know he had a very disappointing sophomore season, but he's back. Now he's in a system that's going to utilize the receiver position. Kenny Solomon, one of the fastest players on the team. Then they have four-star signee Walker Merrill in their own kit. I mean, they've got options. And they've got more guys incoming. So receiver's going to be a strength of this team at Tennessee. And they're going to need 10 receivers. So look for these guys to get a ton of catches. And here's a stat I dug up. UCF last season had eight receivers that caught 10 or more passes under Josh Heupel. Two years before that, 2018, Josh Heupel's first year, seven receivers with 10 or more catches. So look for that kind of same deal at Tennessee. It's not going to be one or two guys making all the plays. It's going to be seven, eight guys catching 10 passes. That's the way this system's utilized, getting these receivers out on the field, throwing it every 20, 30 seconds all over the yard. Some of these guys are really going to step up and I think uh, going to make for an exciting offense immediately on Rocky Top. You know, you guys all know I'm a positive guy. I like to hype up all these teams. Everything's good. Reasons for optimism. I'm going to be a little bit negative here before we close out the show. Because if you've seen it, most people talking about it. This little kid wrote Lane Kiffin. Long, he says... Lifelong Tennessee fan. Now he's in the fan transfer portal. Lane Kiffin recruiting him. Cute story. Yada, yada, yada. I get it. I don't really care about that. What I care about is Josh Heupel was asked about it. 
and he gave one of the weakest answers I've ever heard. Let's kick it over to Heupel. Hey, Coach Heupel, Kelly Institz with WATE. I have a hard-hitting one for you to end on. So I third grader wrote to Lane Kiffin. He's a lifelong Tennessee fan, and he said that he's in the fan transfer portal and asked Lane Kiffin why he should become an Ole Miss fan. But the door's still open for Tennessee because it's in their top four. What would your message be to um, Landon uh, to keep him a Tennessee fan? One of the greatest traditions in college football, top 10 in the history of wins, top 10 in the history of NFL draft picks. Uh, the best is yet to come at Tennessee. Uh, hop on, join along, have some fun. Let's go compete and let's go win. All right, so there you have it. I mean, my God, who wouldn't want to play for that guy? <laughs> I mean, give me a break. I don't think he gave a shit about this. He answered it in such a way it was just like he was asked about the backup kicker job. And I get it. Who cares what these guys say in the pressers? It's not that big a deal. 99% of their focus got to be on football team and recruiting. I get it. But, man, what are we doing here, guys? Tennessee's looking for something to rally around, something to get behind. And this is not just a hypo thing. I don't want to make everyone think I hate this guy already or anything. But let's have something to be excited about. What, what if he would have said something like, well, you know what? When I was at UCF, I whipped Lane Kiffin's ass twice. <laughs> or what if he said, you know what? Ole Miss is coming to town. We're going to light him up. I mean, it could be anything. I know that kind of too bold to say, but anything to get. Let me tell you, I know a thing or two about these Tennessee fans. You give them a reason to get behind you by making comments like that, they will die for you. I mean, just go out there on a limb. Say something crazy. Be Tennessee's version of Steve Spurrier. They will love you forever. Because guess what? Coming off of Arrow under Jeremy Pruitt, good old country boy who never really said much. And before that, you had Butch Jones, who's kind of a dumbass, who said nonsensical things. I mean, those guys couldn't be any more different, right? Well, they'll run you off the same at Tennessee. <laughs> Whether you bite your tongue or where you say dumbass stuff. So why not give them something to rally behind? At the end of the day, you know, just get this fan base excited. That's what they're dying for here. And you're giving them ho-hum shit like this. No wonder these kids are in the transfer portal. They don't want to They don't want to rally behind, uh, oh, we got a great tradition. Let's go win some games. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Step it up a little bit here. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, it just bugs the hell out of me. Give something like that kid something to grasp on. Not just the kid, but hell, all the Tennessee fan base needs something to rally behind. And he was just giving a layup there, and he fucking bricked it, in my opinion. I just get tired of these coaches. And we see Lane Kiffin is living it up, trolling everybody online, Sam Pittman. I mean, he speaks from the heart. The entire Razorback Nation getting behind him, starting to see the same thing with Shane Beamer. I mean, those fans love him to death. Just give, give fans something to hope for. I don't know. That's my spiel, and I'm sticking to it. All right, guys, so sorry to get a little fired up there, but it's Easter Sunday. <laughs> I guess my, my blood is boiling here, which is probably a, a real, real issue of mine. But, hey, enough of that. That's all I got on this one. <laughs> if you made it this far, don't forget to leave us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. And Shane and I will be back on the next episode. Yes, Shane will be here, scheduled to be here at least. We've got a hell of an idea. I think it's going to be a really fun show. I think you guys will enjoy it. And, and I've got a really great guest lined up 
coming this week. So uh, lots of SEC content coming your way. Let's have a great week, guys. Catch you on the next one. Key times, I thought they rose up, but I thought, point. <coughs> but I think he's steadily improved, and I think <coughs> shuffle around uh, whoever your best five are, and put you know some guys are. <coughs>